بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم صلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا الله لنا ولشيخنا وللمسلمين والمسلمين يقول الامام المجدد الشيخ محمد بن الرحاب رحمه الله تعالى في رساله اداب المشي من الصلاه وتقرير الاحرام ركن وكذا قراءه الفاتحه على الامام المنفرد وكذا الركوع لقوله تعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا اركعوا واسجدوا عن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه ان رجلا دخل المسجد فصلى ثم جاء الى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فسلم عليه فقال له ارجع فصلي كانك لم تصلي فاعمى ثلاثا ثم قال والذي بعثك بالحق نبيا لا ارسل غير هذا فعلمني فقال له النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا قمت الى الصلاه فكبر ثم اقرا ما تجسر معك من القران ثم اركع حتى تطمئن راقعا ثم اركع حتى تعتدل قائما ثم اشكد حتى تطمئن ساجدا ثم اجلس حتى تطمئن جالسا ثم افعل ذلك في صلاتك كلها رواه الجماعه فدل على ان المسمى في هذا الحديث لا يسقط بحال اذ لو سقطت لسقط على الاعراب الجاهل وتمنينه في في هذه الافعال ركن لما تقدم وراى حذيفه رجلا لم يتم ركوعه ولا سجوده فقال له ما صليت ولو مت لمت على غير فطره الله التي فطر عليها محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم والتشهد الاخير ركن لقول ابن مسعود رضي الله عنهما كنا نقول قبل ان يفرد علينا تشهد السلام على الله السلام على جبريل وميكائيل فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تقول هكذا ولكن قولوا احتيات لله رواه النسائي رواه ورواه الثقات بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ونشهد ان محمدا عبد الله وخليله ورسوله ارسله رحمه للعالمين وبلغ الرساله وعد الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في الله حق جهاد صلوات الله وسلامه عليه ورضوانه جل وعلا على اصحاب محمد الذين امنوا به وهاجروا معه واليه وجاهدوا معه وبعده وحملوا هذا الدين وبلغوه مشارق الارض ومغاربها فاللهم ارض عنهم وارضهم واجعلنا من محبيهم الحريصين على صدق متابعتهم يقول شيخ الاسلام رحمه الله عليه محمد بن عبد الوهاب وتكبيره الاحرام ركن من المعلوم ان الركن اذا سقط لم تصح العباده فلا بد من تكبيره الاحرام وكذا قراءه الفاتحه على الامام والمنفرد وهذه النقطه فيها خلاف بين اهل العلم خلاف قوي لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول قال لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب 
لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة كتابه ويقول أيما صلاة لم يقرأ فيها بفاتحة الكتاب فهي حداج وذلك كله بالصغير وفي المسألة خلاف ولا شك أن قراءة الفاتحة للمأموم والمنفرد والإمام باب أولى مهمة فإن الله جل وعلا يقول في الحديث القدسي قسمت الصلاة بيني وبين عبدي نصفين يقول فإذا قال عبدي الحمد لله رب العالمين قال الله حامدني عبدي إذا قال الرحمن الرحيم قال أثنى علي عبدي وإذا قال مالك يوم الدين قال الله جل وعلا مجدني عبدي وإذا قال إياك نعود إياك قال هذه بيني وبين عبدي يعني إن صدق وعد العبادة فله جزاء فالأحوط للإنسان أن يحرص تمام الحرص على قراءة الفاتحة خلف الإمام. النبي قال في الحديث الصحيح أيما صلاة لم يقرأ فيها بفاتحة الكتاب فهي حداج. وحداج الناقصة. يسمى الناقص حداج. وفي خلاف بين أهل العلم إلا أن عامة أهل العلم كالبخاري والشافعي وغيره يرون حتمية قراءة الفاتحة. قال وكذا الركوع. يعني قراءة الفاتحة ركن وكذا الركوع. أي الركوع من أركان الصلاة. لقوله تعالى: يا أيها الذين آمنوا اركعوا واسجدوا ومثل السجود. وعن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه ذكر قصه الرجل الذي يشير الناس اليه بانه المسيء صلاته رجلا دخل المسجد فصلى ركعتين ثم اتى الى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسلم عليه فرد النبي عليه الصلاه والسلام السلام عليه ثم قال له ارجع فصلي فانك لم تصلي ففعل الرجل ذلك ثلاث مرات لما امره بالرجوع بالثالثه قال والذي بعثك بالحق نبيا لا احسن غير هذا فقال له النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا قمت الى الصلاه فكبر تكبير في الاحرام ركن فكبر ثم اقرأ ما تيسر معك من القرآن لو ان انسانا ما يحفظ الفاتحه ولكن يحفظ غيرها وجب عليه ان يقرأها الذي هو الذي هو يحفظ قال ثم اركع يعني بعد القراءه حتى تطمئن راكعا. وصفة الركوع كالذي ترونه في الصلاة ركوع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا ركع مد ظهره 
يخوص الظهر وسط الظهر مرتفع وأقربه إلى الرأس منخفض ومؤخرا منخفض لا تقول عائشة لو وضع وضع إيماء فيهما على ظهر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما خشي عليه فالذي قال ثم اركع حتى تطمئن راكع ثم ارفع يعني من الركوع حتى تعتدل قائما وبعض الناس اذا رفع ما يتماكل يتكامل قيامه اذا رفع ثم يهوي ساجدا لا النبي قال لا ارفع حتى تعتدل قائما يصير قامة الإنسان كأنها رمح مركوز قال ثم ارفع حتى تدير قائما قال ثم اسجد حتى تطمئن ساجدا هذه الأعمال قال ثم اجلس حتى تطمئن جالسا هذه الأعمال تكبر والركوع والقراءة والركوع والرفع من الركوع حتى في عتدل والحوي ساجدا ثم الرفع من السجود حتى يطمئن جالسا هذه الأحوال التي مرت يكبر ثم يقرأ ما تيسر ثم يركع حتى يطمئن ركعة ثلاث مواضع ثم يرفع حتى يعتدل قائما هذه أربعة ثم يسجد حتى يطمئن ساجدا هذه خمسة ثم يجلس حتى يطمئن جالسا هذه ستة أحوال قال صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم افعل ذلك في صلاتك كلها هذا الوصف يقول رواه الجماعة يعني روى الحديث البخاري ومسلم والترمذي والنسائي وابو داوود وابن ماجه وغيرهم فدل على ان المسمى في هذا الحديث لا يسقط بحال اذ لو سقطت شيء منها لسقط عن الاعرابي الذي يعترف بانه جاهل ولهذا ينبغي للواحد وهو يصلي ان يحرص على قراءه الفاتحه وهي كما قسمها الله جعل الصلاه جعلها قراءه الفاتحه ينبغي ان يحرص الواحد على تعاهد نفسه ثم اذا ركع يضع كفيه على الركبتين ثم يمد ظهره لا يحنب الراس ولا يخسره انما يجعله مستقيم ثم يسبح يقول والطمانينه في هذه الاثار ركن بما تقدم يعني ما يكون واحدا يقفز من الركوع بسرعه يقف ثم يقفز للهبوط لا يتأنى في أموره كلها 
ثم يتذكر انه يناجي الله جل وعلا ينبغي ان لا يكون مصطفقا في احواله وانما يكون في حال من الهدوء والطمانينه ثم ياتي توضيحا لمثل هذا قال الطمانينه في هذه الحال ركن لما تقدم يعني قال ان قال حتى يطمئن حتى حتى الى حذيفه رضي الله عنه صحابه الجليل صاحب سر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم راى رجلا لا يتم ركوعه ولا سجودا فقال له ما صليت ولا مرتع لمرتع على غير فطره الله التي فطر عليها محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم فينبغي للواحد في صلاته ان يهتم بترتيب الطمانينه عند البدايه يكبر والسنه ان يرفع يديه في التكبير في الدخول في الفريضه وفي الركوع فيها وفي الرفع من الركوع وفي القيام من التشهد الاول اربعه هذه المواضع ثبتت في الصحيح من حديث عبد الله بن عمر ثم يقول رحمه الله عليه في هذا الحديث في والتشهد الاخير ركن من اركان الصلاه والعصر ان هذه الاركان من لم يؤديها كاملة لم تصح صلاته إلا من كان عاجزا عن أدائها. والتشهد الأخير ركن لقول ابن مسعود كنا نقول قبل أن يفرض علينا التشهد السلام على الله السلام على جبريل وميكائيل فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تقولوا هكذا ولكن قولوا التحيات لله إلى آخر ما هو معروف رواه النسائي ورواته ثقات ثم في هذه الجملة التي تدخل في حديثنا الواجبات تسقط سهوا إذا سهى الواحد على الشيء الواجب يعني يصل لا يكبر من الركوع من القيام للسجود مثلا لكنه انتقل من الوقوف الى السجود الواجبات من تركها بطلت صلاته اذا تركها متعمدا واما اذا نسيها يسجد السهو والصلاه الصالحه الواجبات التي تسجد السهو تماما التكبيرات غير الاولى يعني التكبيرات التي تقول الله اكبر بعد ما تقول سمع الله لمن حمده هو الله اكبر راكعا ساجدا والتكبير ايضا للركوع والتكبير الرفع من السجود والتكبير للنزول للسجود نقول تمام التكبيرات غير والتسميع للامام والمنكر والتحميد للكل وتسبيح ركوع وسجود وقل رب اغفر لي والتشهد الاول والجلوس له
وما عدا ذلك السنن واقوال واقوال يعني الى هنا انتهينا من الاركان التي لا تسقط تركت عمدا او سهوا لا تسقط والواجبات الواجبات الذي ينسى يجبرها سجود السهو واما ان يتعمد تركها فان الصلاه لا تصح لان النبي قال صلى الله عليه وسلم صلوا كما رايتموني اصلي واصحابه رضي الله عنهم نقلوا لنا كيفيه صلاته صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى كان الواحد منا وهو يقرا اخبار الصحابه فيما نقلوه عن النبي كانه يشاهد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وهذا من فضل الله علينا نقف هنا على السنن الاقوال الاخره فاوصيكم دائما في هذا الكتاب لاننا كلنا نمارس محتواه في مواقفنا في عباداتنا في الفرائض والنوافل ينبغي للوحد ان يحرص عليه ويهتم بالتقيد بما جاء فيه فاسال الله ان ينفعنا جميعا بما نسمع ونقول
hadith learns in the car. So this issue of the obligation of reciting Surah Al-Fatiha is a disagreement of opinion amongst the scholars. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, but that which is most correct is that it is obligatory upon uh, the one who is being led in the congregation and likewise upon the one who is praying alone. And this is because Allah said in the Hadith of Qudsi that I have divided the prayer in two halves between me and my servant. When my servant says, all praise belongs to Allah, Allah says, my servant has praised you. When the servant says, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Allah says, my servant has uh, glorified me. And when the servant says, uh, Maliki Yawmiddin, uh, Allah Azawajal has mentioned that his servant has showed reverence for him. And when the servant says, It is you we worship and it is you we seek your assistance, then this is between Allah and his servant. And the servant would have that which he asked for. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, so it is upon the individual to be, uh, to, talk, uh, to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, even if he's praying in congregation. And the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned that the prayer without Surah Al-Fatiha is Qudaj. Qudaj means it's deficient. It's deficient. So this is a disagreement amongst many of the scholars, but most of them, most of the people of knowledge, hold it to be obligatory like the, like the likes of Imam al-Bukhari and other than him. They hold the recitation, the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha to be obligatory. Likewise, the author of Rahim Allah Ta'ala mentions uh, Rukur, the bowing. It is also from the pillars of the prayer. And that is based on the statement of Allah O you who believe, uh, perform the Rukur and the Sujood. So this verse in the Qur'an is a proof for the Rukur and the Sujood. Then the Prophet ﷺ, then the author Taala went on to mention the, the hadith of Abu Huraira. And this hadith is titled, it is a famous hadith which is titled, uh, the hadith of the man who prayed incorrectly. And in this hadith it is mentioned that a man entered into the masjid and he prayed two units of prayer. And when he completed the units of prayer, he made tasneem, and then he uh, approached the Prophet ﷺ and greeted him with his salams. The Prophet ﷺ repli replied and then said, Go and pray, for you have not prayed yet. This happened three times, and at the end of the third time, when the Prophet ﷺ ordered him to return and to pray, the man said, I swear by the one who has sent you with truth, I cannot do better. So the Prophet ﷺ then taught him the prayer. And he said, if you stand in prayer, make the takbir. And this is the opening takbir. Then read that which is easy for you from the Qur'an. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala with regards to that which is easy for you from the Qur'an. If the individual has memorized Surah Al-Fatiha, it is obligatory. But if the individual has not memorized Surah Al-Fatiha and he has memorized 
something else in the Qur'an, it is obligatory for him to recite whatever he has memorized. Then, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, then perform the ruku'ah until you have tranquility and comfort in this position. Then raise from the ruku'ah until you stand up straight. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala with regards to the ruku'ah. And we know the ruku' because we see it in our prayers. But the ruku' of the Prophet ﷺ was that he would keep his body, he would keep his back straight. His back was not uh, tilted or slanted. No, it was uh, in the bowing position and his back was straight. So much so it was mentioned by Aisha anha. If you were to put a glass of water on his back, you would not fear that it would fall. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, Then raise from the bowing until you are standing straight. The Shaykh Rajan Habib Allah Ta'ala, some people they raise, uh, they rise from the bowing and they, they don't stand straight, but immediately they go into sujood. And this is against the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, the verdict he said, until you stand straight. Then the Prophet said, Then go into the, the prostration until you are comfortable and tranquil in that position. So the person goes into the, the sajda and they should have be tranquil and comfortable in the position and then they sit in between uh, then they sit in between the two sajdas and then once again they go down into sajda. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala. So the Prophet mentioned to the individual five things. The opening takbir, the recitation, the ruku'ah, uh, the rising up from the ruku'ah, and then the sujood. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that this was the description that the Prophet gave this companion as it relates to the prayer. And this hadith is mentioned by Al-Jama'ah, meaning it's in Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, Nisa'i, Al-Nisa'i, and Ibn Majah, and other than them. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, upon the author mentioned, so this informs that that which is mentioned in this hadith cannot be overlooked or avoided. That it's obligatory that the people complete these things, these actions that were mentioned in the hadith, because if they could be overlooked, they would have been overlooked for, uh, or they would have been excused for this ignorant Bedouin who did not have knowledge. Who did not have knowledge, and if there was an excuse for anyone, he would have been excused. So the Shaykh mentioned, so it is upon the individual to focus on the recitation of Surah Al Fatiha. Because he knows that Allah has divided the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha between him and his servant. And likewise, uh, Allah mentioned in this hadith al-Qudsi, I have divided the salat. But Allah was only referring to Surah Al-Fatiha. That means, that shows you the great virtues of Surah Al-Fatiha. So much so, it is called the salat itself. And the Shaykh Mishra Habib Allah Ta'ala, likewise with regards to some specifics, when the individual goes into the court, he should place his hands, the palms of his hands on his knees, and he should flatten his back. He should not have a portion of his back 
tilted or raised or anything of the likes. Likewise, in the ruku, the person should make tasbih of Allah, Subhanahu Rabbi Azim, Subhanahu Rabbi Azim. The person should relax, uh, and in the in the ruku and in the sujood, the person should focus and concentrate on the the supplications that they're making. The individual should keep in mind that he's speaking to his Lord, he's calling on his Lord, he's glorifying his Lord, he's praising his Lord. So the individual should not rush or be hasty uh, in these positions. It is upon an individual to be tranquil and to be relaxed when he is in these positions of, of the prayer. Then the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala mentioned that Hudayfa bin al-Yaman, the companion of the Prophet and the individual who held uh, the Prophet and told him some of the secrets, some secrets pertaining to uh, the Day of Judgment and the Fitna, the Prophet told his companion some of these secrets. This companion saw a man praying and he was not completing, he was not properly bowing and he was not proper, properly prostrating. So the man said to him, um, if you pray this way, you have not prayed, and if you were to die upon this, you would die upon other than the teachings that Allah, uh, other than the way that Allah taught His Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Taala. So it is upon him, it, it is mandatory and compulsory upon an individual to focus on the actions during the prayer, to focus on the orders, the order of these actions, to focus from the beginning, the opening takbir. Uh, the recitation, going into the, the rukur, uh, straightening his back, coming up from the rukur, and uh, the other things that were mentioned, Afwan, Shaykh mentioned Habib even when it comes to raising the hands, when you make the takbirat al-ihram, raising the hands, when you go into the rukur, raising the hands, when you're coming up from the rukur, raising the hands, and likewise, when you come up, from the first tashad, raising the hands. These four points have been mentioned authentically in the hadith of Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu Likewise, the Rahim rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned that the first ahwan, the last tashahud, the last tashahud is a rukum. It is from the pillars of the prayer. And uh, the ruling as it relates to the pillars of the prayer is that it's obligatory that a person uh, implements them. If a person overlooks one of the pillars of the prayers, of the prayer, he has to return to it. If he overlooked, if he forgot. But if the so he has to return to it, he has to fulfill it. But if the individual uh, abandoned one of the pillars of the prayer, purposely the prayer is in doubt. The prayer itself is, is in doubt except the individual who does not have the ability to perform it. Except if the individual who is incapable of performing that pillar. And he mentioned the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, uh, where he said, um, we used to say before the tashahid was made obligatory, um, peace be upon Allah, and peace be upon Jibreel, and peace be upon Mika'il. Then the Prophet ﷺ instructed them and said, don't say this, but rather say the greetings are for Allah. And this is in An-Nisa'i and the narrators are uh, reliable. 
Uh, so the Prophet taught to the companions that you do not say the peace be upon Allah, for verily Allah is without, He is uh, the peace. Then the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala went into the obligations of the prayer. He completed the pillars of the prayer. Then the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala went into the obligations of the prayer. And he said the obligations of the prayer are overlooked if the individual forgets to perform them. And they are eight. And the Shaykh mentioned Habibullah Ta'ala, if a person uh, if a person forgets to perform one of the obligations, one of the wajibat of the prayer, then he makes it up by praying sujudistahu at the end of the prayer. He makes them up by praying the prostration for forgetfulness. But if the person purposely over if the person purposely abandons one of the obligations of the prayer, likewise the prayer is invalid. Likewise the prayer is invalid. Um and the author Rahimahullah mentioned that they are eight. Uh, he said all of the takbirat except the first, except the first which is the takbirat al-ihram, the opening takbir. And then he says, At-tismir lil-imam wal-munfarid, sami Allahu liman hamida, wa-tahmeel lil-kul, rabbana wa hamd. Then he says, wa-tasbih lil-rukur, the person saying, uh, Subhana Rabbil Azim in the Ruku'ah was sujood Subhana Rabbil A'la and also the statement in the sujood and sitting in between the two sajdas sitting in between the two sajdas all of this is considered from the wajibah obligations of the prayer and once again he said so the obligations of the prayer if the person forgets it then he makes it up at the end of the prayer by prostrating the prostration for forgetfulness. But if the person abandons it purpose, purposely, then it's, uh, the prayer is invalid. Then the prayer is invalid. And that's the difference between the wajibat and the arkan. The arkan, if a person forgets one of the pillars of the prayer, he has to go back to it and complete it. He has to go back to it and complete it. But if a person forgets the wajibat, he doesn't go back to it. He makes it up at the end of the prayer by by, pray, by prostrating the prostration for forgetfulness. Um, then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that this, this is what is mandatory upon the individual who prays because verily the Prophet Sallallahu said Pray as you see me pray. And the confines of the Prophet Sallallahu the Shaykh said from the, 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 the bounties that Allah has bestowed upon us is that the companions have described the prayer of the Prophet and when you read their description of the, of the Prophet's prayer it's as if you can visualize him in front of you it is as if you can see him in front of you then the Shaykh Habib reiterated the, the, the importance of uh, focusing on that which is in the book because it is something which we implemented we implement in our uh, prayers, whether those prayers are uh, the obligatory prayers or whether they are, they are the superiority prayers. And we ask Allah as we to benefit us uh, all. من فرق بين الركن والشرط
الركن جزء من العبادة يعني الركن أركان الصلاة كل ركن جزء من هذه الصلاة والشرط ما يتهيأ به يشترط الصلاة الطهارة يشترط كذا يشترط كذا هذا هو الشرط وأما الأركان لا فهي أجزاء من هذه العبادة the individual is asking what is the difference between the condition and the pillars the conditions and the pillars the the pillars are within the, the, the worship itself the pillars are within the worship the act of worship itself whereas the conditions are the preparation uh, the conditions they precede uh, entering or embarking upon the act of worship. So for example, uh, from the conditions of prayer is purification and ablution. Those are from the conditions. Those are outside. Those precede the, the, the act of worship. Whereas the, the pillars, they are within the act of worship. The brothers that are putting the questions in English, please direct them to Allah. يقول السائل حفيظكم الله تعالى إذا فات شخص سنن الرواتب في اليوم فهل يجب له أن فهل يجب له قضاءها في الليل والشمعة؟ إذا فات الشخص سنن الرواتب الأفضل أن يقضيها حسب ما يتيسر له هي نافلة ليست فريضة ولا واجب لكن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أحب العمل إليه أدوم الذي دون عليه الوعد هذا هو الأحب فإذا شغل عن مثلا ركعة الظهر قبل الصلاة أو الركعة التي بعد الصلاة يقضيها إلا في أوقات نهي لا يقضيها في وقت نهي the sunan of rawatib which are related to the prayers uh, two before the Lord, two after the likes if a person misses those prayers um, is it permissible for them to make them up and the shaykh mentioned Allah, yes it is uh, recommended that the person makes them up according to his ability they're, they're not obligatory prayers they're superior prayers but the Prophet وسلم, the most beloved action to the Prophet was that which was consistent. So, for example, if the person is not able to pray the the rawatib, superior, the superior prayers which are related, connected to Salat al-Dhuhr before or after, then he can make them up any other time, but he should not make them up at a time where the prayer is disliked. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى كيف يأتي المسبوق بقراءة الفاتحة إذا أدرك الإمام في الركوع؟ إذا فات المأموم الوقوف ركع الإمام قبل أن يقرأ الفاتحة يركع 
وتصح صلاته لكنها ما تصح داخل في حديث ايما صلاه لم يقرا فيها بفاتحه الكتاب فهي خداج يعني ما تصح and they have caught the imam while he's in the ruku'ah. How does the person recite Surah Al-Fatiha? The Shaykh mentioned in Abiyah if the person enters and the imam is in the ruku'ah, then the person should immediately go into ruku'ah. The person should immediately go into ruku'ah, and his salat, or the, he has caught the ra'ah, it is accepted. But the prayer is somewhat deficient. The prayer is somewhat deficient because he hasn't recited Surah Al-Fatiha, and the, it is... Uh, Similar to the hadith that the Prophet mentioned, any prayer which Surah Al-Fatiha has not been recited, it is deficient. لا شك أن المسلمين كانوا يعتنون بلبس الثوب القميص وربما السراويل والعمائم التي تكون فوق الروس كلما امكن المسلم ان يحرص على التزي بالزي الاسلامي فهذا اولى واما الواجب فهو ان يكون مستثرا ساترا عورته كلها والاكمل ان يكون الستر على الجسد كله Uh, the thaw and a cloth on the head or something to cover the head. Is this from the Muslim uh, garments? And in the non-Muslim countries, is this considered from the, the clothing for, for fame or to attract attention? The Sheikh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, there's no doubt that the Muslims of the past, uh, he said, there's no doubt that the Muslims, uh, they were very diligent in uh, wearing the complete garments, such as the thaw or the qamis, Uh, which is a similar garment that has sleeves and the opening for the head. Um, and likewise, they would wear, uh, possibly wear pants, uh, and they would likewise wear a covering for their heads. And the more uh, that a Muslim can wear the clothing uh, which identifies him as a Muslim, this is more befitting. But in terms of obligation, that which is, that which is obligatory, is that an individual covers his awa, covers his, his, his body. And uh, the more he covers his body, this is more befitting. يقول السؤال حبيبكم الله تعالى هل يجوز للمرأة المسلمة أن تشترط على الزوج عند عقد الزواج بأن لا يتزوج ثانيا؟ نعم يجوز. لكن لو خالق تزوج إن رغبت الطلاق فمن حقها تطالب بالطلاق. Individuals asking is it permissible for a 
female to make a condition upon her husband when uh, at the time of marriage that he does not take another wife. And the Shaykh mentioned it is permissible for the female to make this condition. It's permissible for the female to make this condition. But if the man uh, thereafter does so, and it, it's permissible for the woman to seek the separation and to receive the separation. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى كيف يتعامل المسلم مع والديه إذا كان يمنعانه من إذا كان يبغيان الإسلام ويمنعانه من الذهاب إلى المسجد ولباس ولبس لباس المسلمين. طاعة الوالدين المسلمين واجبة إلا إذا كانت مرتبة مخالفة السنة. The individual is asking how does an individual deal with his parents who hate Islam and they prevent him from going to the masjid. And the Shaykh Habib Allah mentioned it is mandatory for a person to obey his Muslim parents um, except if that which they inform him is in opposition to the Sunnah. فلا سمع لهم ولا طاعه الا بالصحبه الله يقول في القران وان جاهداك اي الوالدان وان جاهداك لتشرك بي ما ليس لك به علم فلا تطعهما لكن ما قال لاتركهما قال وصاحبهما في الدنيا معروفا احسن صحبتهم وتيسير الامور لهم <laughs> then I repeated that uh, the parents were non-Muslim, the Shaykh mentioned non-Muslim parents. There is no hearing and obedience to them, except with regards to your relation, uh, your relationship with them. Um, Allah mentioned in the Quran, if they fight you uh, in order that you commit partners with me, so do not obey them. Do not obey them. Allah mentions if they fight you in order that you commit partners with Allah, then do not obey them. Then Allah didn't say, so leave them. Allah says, Allah said, be kind to them uh, in, 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 this, in this life. Uh, so that which is upon the individual, the Shaykh mentioned, is to have good dealings with them, have good relationship with them and to make e things easy for them, but it is not permissible for you to obey them with that which is, which is forbidden. Now, يقول السلام حفظكم الله تعالى امرأة مات أبوها وبقي ولها عم حي في بلد آخر ولكن قام بنقاهها خالها بدون إذن من عمها فهل تصح فهل يصح النكاح؟ لا شك أن الخال ليست له ولاية على المرأة وإنما الولاية لعصبتها لكن إن كان 
الامر صعب ولا يمكن ان يصل العم لعقد نكاح او يتعذر ذلك فارجو ان يكون العقد صحيح لانه عندما يتعذر الولي لبعده او لعجزه عن الوصول او لمنعه ايضا من الوصول لا تبقى المراه غير متزوجه يتولى امرها من يمكن ان يتحقق به النكاح The Assalamualaikum. The female is asking. Oh, the question. The question is asking. There's a female. Her father died, and she has an uncle from her father, who's called an am. She has an uncle, yani the brother of her father. Her am is alive in another country, but her khal, who is the brother of her mother, her uncle, but it's her mother's brother. Her khal married her without the permission of her father's brother. Is the marriage contract uh, acceptable? The Sheikh mentioned there is no uh, guardianship from the mother's brother. The guardianship of the female comes from the brothers of the father. But if it was difficult for uh, her father's brother to attend, then I hope, the Sheikh said, I hope that the contract is acceptable. Because you might have a case where uh, the uncle from yani the, the father's brothers, none of them can attend because of the great distance or um, they don't have the ability or they, 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 they refuse. They don't want her to get married. The woman doesn't remain single. She doesn't remain without a husband. Uh, if this takes place, then someone should take the guardianship of the woman in order that she can, she can get married. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى هل يجوز للرجل لبس الساعه التي فيها شيء يسير من الذهب مثل اليدين التي التي تشير الى الدقائق والثواني داخل الساعه هي من الذهب. اذا كان يظهر لمن يراها ان هذا ذهب فهذا يدخل في التحريم واذا كان ما يظهر فأرجو أن أنه لا حرج فيها. وفي الجملة الاحتياط أن يتجنب ما فيه ذهب. The individual أحسن الله إليك، the individual asking is it permissible for a man to wear a watch that has a small portion of gold, for example the hands on the clock which point to the minutes and the seconds, they're made of gold. Shaykh Mishra Habib Allah Ta'ala, if the person who sees the watch can clearly see that there is some gold in it, then it's not permissible. But if the gold is very small, so much so that if a person was looking at the watch they could not see it, I hope that there's no problem in the person wearing it. But in general, uh, it's better that a person is safe by abstaining from wearing gold. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى إذا نسيت ركنا مثل الركوع مثل الركوع وكنت في التشهد هل أرجع إلى الركوع ثم أشجد أو أركع ثم أشجد؟ 
فإذا نسيت ركن من الركان واشتغلت بعده بركن الذي بعده هذه الركعة التي لم يتم ركنها تلغو وتأتي بركعة بدلا منها فلو مثلا صلى ونسي أن يركع فسجد ذو الركوع وكمل السجود هذه الراحه اللي قرا فيها ولم يركع تكون لاغت ياتي بركعه جديده ويسجد للسهو السلام عليكم عاصم if I forget a pillar such as ركوع and I'm into شهد do I return to the ركوع and then I make sujood or, or what's the shape Habib Allah Ta'ala said if you uh, forgot a pillar and you've entered into a new pillar but you forgot a previous pillar then you would uh, then you would uh, abandon that which you're in and you start the, uh, the new pillar and you make up for that which you, which you missed so the shaykh said for example if a person forgot a rukur, nothing, they entered into the prayer, they read Surah Al-Fatiha, and now it's time to go into rukur, which is a pillar. Instead of going into rukur, the person goes into sujood. The person goes into sujood. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that first pillar that you missed, which is the rukur, you have to go back to that rukur, because that one is, is invalid. So you have to stop and go back to that rukur, that's a... Uh, you have to stop and go back to that raqah. You have to make up the raqah. You have to make up the raqah because you missed the rukur, which is the pillar. So you have to go back to the, the raqah itself, the recitation, and then into the rukur. And then at the end of the prayer, you still have to pray the prostration for, for forgiveness. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى ماذا يقرأ الشخص ماذا يقرأ الشخص إذا لم يحفظ شيئا من القرآن لا الفاتحة ولا غيرها يسبح ويكبر بقدر ما تحتاج الرحعة ثم يكمل صلاته what should they recite? The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, the person would say, SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah, and they would say, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, for the duration of the, the unit of the prayer, and then they complete the prayer normally, they complete the rukur, the sujood, but in the part of the recitation, they would say, SubhanAllah, and Allah Akbar. يقول السائل إذا مر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أثناء قراءته بآيات التي تذكر فيها الجنة أو النار وسأل الله عز وجل الجنة أو تعوذ بالله من النار فهل فعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذلك جهرا أو سرا؟ بل جهرا يسمعه الذي يصلي معه 
هذا هذا الصحابي الذي نقل من صلاة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه إذا مر بآية رحمة سأل وإذا مر بآية عذاب تعول وإذا مر بآية تنزيه نزه الله هذا يسمع الصحابة اللي صلوا مع النبي القراءة التي قرأها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم هي سورة البقرة ثم أتبعها بسورة النساء قبل آل عمران ثم أتبع النساء بسورة آل عمران صلوات الله وسلامه عليه وكان إذا مر بآية رحمة سأل الله مر بآية عذاب تعود إذا مر بشيء من أوصاف الله نزه الله إلى آخره فلولا أن الصحابي يسمع ما نقلها لنا Individuals asking when the Prophet was mentioned that the Prophet when he would during his recitation in the prayer if he would recite a verse where paradise was mentioned he would ask Allah for paradise if he recited a verse where the hellfire was mentioned he would seek refuge in Allah from the hellfire if he would recite a verse where he glorified Allah he would glorify Allah did, did the Prophet do this so that others could hear him or did he do it silently? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah in fact, the Prophet did, did it so that others can hear him. Uh, the companion who narrated the, the hadith, who narrated that the Prophet if he recited a verse containing paradise, the Prophet asked the paradise. If he recited the verse which mentioned the hellfire, the Prophet will seek refuge of Allah from the hellfire, uh, glorification of Allah, he would glorify Allah. So, and this took place when the Prophet had recited Surah Al-Baqarah. And after Surah Al-Baqarah, he recited Surah Al-Imran. Afwan, he recited Surah Al-Nisa. He recited Surah Al-Nisa. Then after Surah Al-Nisa, he recited Surah Al-Imran. And while he was reciting, he would do this. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, this informs that the person should do so. And if the Prophet did not do so, Audibly, so that others can hear him, then it would have not been narrated to us. يقول حفيظكم الله تعالى هل لديكم نصيحة وتوجيه للمسلم الذي لا يصلي في المسجد لأنه مرحق أو نام عن الصلاة؟ الصلاه مع الجماعه مهمه فيها ربح عظيم للمسلم لان صلاه الرجل مع الجماعه تفضل صلاته في بيته او مع اصدقائه سبع وعشرين جزءا اذا صلى منفردا او مع صديق صلاه واحده إذا صلى مع المسجد صرفت عادل 27 صلاة. هذه ما ما يفرط فيها من يعقل. هذا جانب. الجانب الثاني النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم توعد الذين لا يحرمون من الجماعة بأن يحرق عليهم بيوتهم بالنار. ولا يتوعد أحدا بالنار إلا وذلك المتوعد قد أحل بواجب من واجباتها الدين. 
the individual is asking, do you have advice for an individual who does not pray in the masjid because of fatigue and he sleeps during the time of the prayer? The Sikh mentioned Ta'ala, the prayer in congregation is extremely important and there is much virtues and blessings in a person implementing it. Um, it's uh, greater in reward than 27 uh, times the person who, does, who prays alone. Uh, and the individual, no one would abandon such virtues except one who does not have proper intellect, sound intellect. Likewise, a second affair is that the Prophet threatened uh, to burn down the home of the person who does not attend the prayer, the man who do not, who do not attend the prayer in congregation. And the Prophet would not threaten with the hellfire uh, except a person who has abandoned something which is obligatory. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى من زاد في الصلاة شيئا فماذا عليه يعني ليس من زيادة يعني من زاد في الصلاة شيئا ماذا عليه إذا زاد في الصلاة عمل ليس من الصلاة إن كان متعمدا وهو يعرف أنه لا علاقة من الصلاة فتقبل الصلاة وإن كان لا مضطر لهذا الشيء كان يكون أحد يقرأ على الباب فيضطر يفتح الباب له ونحو ذلك أو يحتاج إلى حمل شيء من الأرض كما فعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فهذا لا حرج فيه ولو لم يكن من الصلاة لكن إذا تعمل شيئا لا حاجة إليه بطلت الصلاة أحسن الله إليك The individual is asking if a person adds something to the prayer then what is upon him? The Shaykh mentioned Habib al if the person adds something to the prayer which is originally not from the prayer and he does so on purpose and he knows that it is forbidden, then the Salat is invalid. But if a person uh, did something during the prayer out of need, for example someone is knocking at his door so he moves to open the door. Uh, or if he needs to pick up something, like was done by the Prophet he picked uh, something up while he was praying, uh, then there's no problem in them doing so. على حسب ما تيسر له لان قراءه الاذكار في البيت اضاءه للبيت تنوير له واذا كان سوف يجلس في المسجد ودخل الليل وباقي في المسجد او دخل الصباح يقرأ الأذكار التي دخل وقتها ما دام في المسجد حتى لا يفوت عليه شيء من الوقت 
the individual is asking, is it better that a person, which one is better that a person uh, says the supplications and the remembrance of Allah for the morning and the evening in the masjid or at home? The Shaykh mentioned Allah Ta'ala, indeed, or that uh, the person will do according to his, that which is easy for him. Indeed, uh, uh, mentioning the, the supplication and the remembrance of Allah in the home would illuminate the home. Uh, but if the person, for example, uh, after he completes the prayer in the masjid, uh, he sits at night or he sits in the morning, um, it's good and recommended that he recites. If he's in the masjid, he recites so that he would not, um, so that he can take advantage of the time, so that he can take advantage of the time. ونسأله جل وعلا أن يكون لقاؤنا لقاء مباركا يعود علينا جميعا في الثواب والتوفيق والعافية من فتن الدنيا كما نسأله سبحانه وتعالى أن يصلح حالنا وحال المسلمين في كل مكان وأن يعز الإسلام والمسلمين وأن يذل الكفر والكافرين والمنافقين وأن يعاجل المضطهدين في بلادهم أن يعاجلهم بالفرج وأن يوفقهم للتوبة النصوح وإخلاص العمل لوجه الله جل وعلا ليتحقق لهم دفاع الله عنهم لأن الله يقول إن الله يدافع عن الذين آمنوا فإذا رأينا محن ومصائب اجتاحوا كثيرا من البلاد الاسلاميه فسببه تفريط المسلمين بامر دينهم لان الله يقول ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر بما كسبت ايدي الناس فنسال الله ان يعاجل المظلومين والمضطهدين في الشام وفي العراق وفي غيرها من البلاد الاسلاميه ان يعاجلهم بالفرج وأن يعاجل أهل اليمن أيضا بالقضاء على الطائفة الرافضية الذي ما كان لها في السابق أي أثر لكن لما تنفست إيران وصار الأمر عند عمائمهم اشتغلوا يمنة ويسرى فنسأل الله أن يحبط كيدهم ويغسل اليمن من الحوثيين ويحفي الجميع شر فإن من أهطر الأمور على المسلمين الحقيقة هو المذهب الاثني العشري سبق ذكرت لكم أن خراسان يعني إيران عامته كان مأمورا بالفقه الشافعي ثم في أواخر القرن التاسع قبل الانتهاء الأول العاشر حكم إيران شخص يسمى إسماعيل الصفوي فيقال أنه قتل أكثر من مليون شافعي في تلك البلاد حتى حول الساحة ساحة رافضية رافض ساحة رافضية فنسأل الله أن يكفينا شرا كل من يا أسير تلك السيرة 
الخطيرة وأن يوفقنا جميعا لإحسان صلتنا بربنا جل وعلا والتواصل فيما بيننا أنه سبحانه مجيب الدعاء كما نسأله جل وعلا أن يحفظ المملكة ويصونها عن كل الفتن الشريرة ويوفق من يتولى أمرها بتعظيم الشريعة وصيانة الأخلاق الإسلامية وحماية العقيدة الإسلامية وأن يوفقه لأن يظهر أثره على المسلمين في كل مكان نسأل الله يحق ذلك وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على نبينا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا Say the Shaykh Habib Close the lesson by saying we praise Allah for making this gathering easy. We ask Allah to make it a blessed gathering and that we benefit from it. There's a place to reward that Allah gives us tawfiq uh, and protects us from all types of tribulations. And that Allah corrects the affairs of the Muslims, of our, our affairs and the affairs of the Muslims. And that Allah gives ease to those who have experienced tragedy in their countries. And Allah gives them success to repent to Him and to make their actions pleasing to Him and sincerely for Him. So that Allah can defend them. Verily, Allah says in the Quran, in Allah defends those who believe. So if we witness people uh, being tested uh, and they're being turmoil in their countries, they know that this is because of that which their hands have brought forth. Allah just said in the Quran, evil has spread on the land and on the sea because of that which the people's hands have put forth. So we ask Allah to give peace to the people of Syria, the people of Iraq, other than those two countries from the Muslim lands. Likewise, ask Allah to give peace to the people of Yemen and to allow them to conquer and defeat uh, the, the oppressors in their country. Uh, because very, um, there was no mention, or there was no major uh, gain for the Rawafid in the past until uh, Iran their leaders came together and they started uh, causing fitna uh, left and right in the east and in the west. So we ask Allah to uh, give us victory over them. We ask Allah to cleanse Yemen from the Houthiyun and Shaykh Muhammad. There's no doubt that from the greatest dangers upon the Muslims is the, the, the Rawafid. And he mentioned that in the past I've mentioned to you that the era of Khorasan, it was mostly uh, followers of the Shafi Madhab. And until the 9th century, you had an individual who conquered it by the name of Ismail Safawi. And during that time, it's mentioned that he killed over a million followers of the Shafi Madhab until uh, the Shafi school of thought, until uh, it became uh, mostly Rafidi in that area. So we ask Allah to protect us from their dangers. And verily Allah is the one to answer the call. And we likewise ask Allah to protect uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and allow those who rule it to defend and protect the correct beliefs and to implement uh, the, the legislation. 
and to protect to protect the correct aqidah and we ask Allah to allow their defense and protection of this to be seen uh, by others in all areas and our last supplication is all praise be due to Allah all, all praise belongs to Allah the Lord of the worlds and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon the Prophet Muhammad and his family and companions.